Hey Sheilas, Bron here. This week's episode of Good Sheilas is proudly brought to you by the lady startup Sisu. Sisu, spelt S-I-S-U, is a brand new gym in Brisbane that focuses on improving your fitness, your general well-being, and with a fully qualified physio on staff, they can help you get rid of those bastard injuries. Owners Agatha and Alex are 10 out of 10 legends who are contagiously positive, and coming from me, that's a big deal. If you mongrels are in Brisbane, check out Sisu Gym in Windsor, where you can get fitter, stronger, and spend some time laughing at me rolling around on the ground. Fun fact about Claire. When she was working in the government for gender equality, moving mountains, changing the world, making women (laughs) matter. She was so tired and she took her tiny daughter Stevie into Kmart where she looked at all of the kids' clothes and noticed the enormous discrepancy between what girls had to wear and what boys had to wear. And she was so enraged and so tired that she picked up handfuls of the boys' clothes and Stormed, stormed to the checkout, dragging Stevie behind her, who was probably asking for maybe one skirt. Shut up, Stevie! And got to the checkout, and then unleashed on this poor fourteen-year-old girl who did not give a shit about what kids wore. Like this is disgusting. This is where the problem starts. How dare you? And the girl's like, "I am. Um, excuse me, lady. I literally don't care. And why is your shirt on inside out?" <laughs> Thinking. What you am ch- I ever thinking? <laughs> <laughs> You're changing the world, Claire. One 14 year old at a Hello and welcome to Good Sheilas, the podcast that will turn your stomach and warm your heart as we reflect on what makes all of us tick. I'm Bron, a comedian. And I'm Claire, a human rights lawyer. And we're long-time friends, short-time mums and lifetime dickheads. Each episode we tackle something in the media as well as something in life that's kicked us in the guts. So strap yourselves in, mongrels, and get ready for Good Sheilas. Hello. G'day, mate. How are you going? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, good. How's life up north? Uh, it is warm and it is nice and it's different. Different. Different, yeah. mate. Different. How so? How so? Well, uh, coming off the back of your fun fact, the reason why I thought of that one today is because up here, um, whilst it's so great and everyone is much friendlier than Melbourne, I will, that is, without a doubt, people are nicer up here. I don't know why... That is, um, but they just are, and I keep like finding myself saying to people like, "Wow, that's a really nice thing of you to do. That's a very kind thing to do." Like they're all my children. Well done. That is a very well nice done. thing. Good for you, Brisbane. <laughs> this is grown up. Kick me in the fudge. <laughs> but it, people are just kind and kinder. I don't know. Like Melbourne, it's a little bit. It's a little bit edgier, which is not yeah. necessarily the worst thing. And it kind of probably is where I fit in better. But it is. Um, uh, it's different up here in the way that people acknowledge each other and acknowledge each other's existence and that they matter, which is quite nice. Um, <laughs> so when I walk down the street. 
in Melbourne and yeah. they pass somebody, I'm like, you do not matter. Yes, you should stop I doing that. should do that? Well, okay. not up here. You That's can continue feedback. doing it down there. Absolutely fine down there. But up here, everyone <laughs> smiles. It's everyone's like, hey, I've never Back been so hot weird. in my life. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> no. But I have noticed there's lots of difference between um, girls and boys things. And I'm sure we'll talk mm. about this more on a different episode. But I, I went to Edie's school um, for her first – she's going starting prep this year. And I noticed uh, they had two trays – uh, and one of the trays was for girls writing and the other tray was for boys writing. Mm. And I don't know what boys write with. <laughs> their penises. Exactly. I, don't, I was like, well, I don't want to touch their writing. It's got too much testosterone on it. And then like, what do the girls write with? I like their like their ponytails. Like I don't understand what the difference is, but they really love separating boys and girls stuff up here. I have noticed. Mm. I might just be looking for it or it might just have been accidentally and coincidentally in my face a few times for me to think about it. But I don't necessarily notice it as much in Melbourne as I have done up here. Mm, interesting. And you're about to welcome a third tiny child into the world and approximately four years this pregnancy has gone on for 444 <laughs> for years exactly. I feel and it's not even happening to my body it's happening I to know. your body and my time clearly I know so, I'm so how sorry do you, how do you feel about kind of having another baby in that that context about you know well, bringing them to a very different environment I mean like is it cool for you know do you see like little boys in 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 dresses up there like is that the kind no, of no I don't mm. see it but I also but maybe there is and I just I've only been here what six weeks mm. there's just been a few things that um I've noticed that I'm like oh I wonder how different that is and um, I was at a gig last night and one uh, comedian was asking me what shows I'm watching at the moment because that's as deep as the conversation will go. And mm. I said, I really, really like Shit's Creek and I know I'm late to the party on it, but Moira, the mother, is one of the funniest characters I've ever come across. She's so, so great. And it's just a, it's a hilarious comedy. Most people have watched it. Claire, have you watched it? No, I'm so sorry. I can't Don't be sorry. In this podcast goodbye. <laughs> Get out. But it is. <laughs> it I've been is. watching. I've been watching Border Strippers. I can't stop watching Border Strippers. Border sexy, Strippers. Sexy, <laughs> sexy historical drama. That's, uh, that's my thing oh, right now. So good. Oh, uh, yeah. I will like not watch it. Yeah, okay. Isn't that what it's called? I've never. I look Bridgerton. Up. Yes, it's yeah. called Bridgerton. Oh, my goodness. That could. Yeah, very good. Anyway, Shit's Creek, I'm, I'm, I'm getting Shit's distracted Creek, yeah. by the it's, Duke. Yeah, you have ruined this segment once again. <laughs> <laughs> it was going so well. No, I said I'm watching Shit's Creek because it's hilarious. And Lucas and I watch that um, uh, at night time and we laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. And as I was saying it to this guy, he said, oh, I have not watched that. And then the, a female comic said, is that because it's a girl's show? And these were grown-ups. Like, it wasn't like, you know, like you'd expect something, you know, like seven-year-olds to say that. And I was like, what What do you mean? And I wasn't, like, searching for a fight. I was searching for, like, a, a, a genu- <laughs> I was genuinely confused what a girls' and a boys' show was as a grown-up. I was like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, no, it's not a girls' show. There are, there are men in it. And and he he was like, well, you know what I mean. Like, is it for women? 
I was like, mm, I, I think I knew what you meant. And no, it's not. And um, he was like, well, you know how Friends is a girl's show. And I was like, well, no, I, I didn't know that. <laughs> so I'm learning. You were learning all of these so things up much here that, about life, mate. Yeah, that not only is my writing never allowed to go next to Lucas's writing, <laughs> but when I watch a show like Shit's Creek or Friends, Lucas must not he be in the room. can't watch it because it's a, it's a boy. It's not a boy's show. He needs to go watch something with, like, porn and violence. Ew. For men. Yeah, something without feelings or, he will or grow something. a I vagina. <laughs> I know. I've ruined him. I'm introducing him to a very hilarious show which has men and women in it and both genders Wait, they're not funny. separated into two well, uh, containers. Only their writing is. <laughs> Strange. Yeah. yeah, look, yeah, but there's it, mostly it's amazing. That's just the one thing I've noticed. And you know, when you start to notice you look for something, yeah, yeah. you're kind of looking for yeah. it. Maybe that's what I'm doing right now, but it's come up a few times. So I'm like, oh, um, maybe everyone, maybe that's what makes them so happy up here. Maybe, maybe in Melbourne, you guys need to start separating more, yes, and you will smile more. And we'll go back to the good old days of women in the kitchen and exactly, and boys in the writing room. <laughs> well, the girls could be, but a different room. It's fine. It's They're allowed bad. to write. <laughs> That's not I right. I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh golly oh, but how and how is your life down there claire oh, man, in Melbourne? Oh, i feel like i went back to work 100 years ago what summer holiday and um we're going to explore this a lot on um the podcast soon but um i am in the throes of getting an uh adult adhd diagnosis since my daughter was diagnosed and um i have received a strong indication that i have it but you have to go through like a process um, and since then, my symptoms, I don't know whether it's, again, I'm looking for them or it's just a yeah. normal thing when you get diagnosed. They have, like, on, like, it's chaotic. My brain cannot stay still and I'm forgetting things all the time. I'm having conversations. I'm like, what are we talking about? I'm not listening. It's just, it's very, it's very hectic. I'm losing things. It's just, yeah, it's, it's um, I'm a bit scattered. I'm a bit, yeah. but, but, but apparently yeah, this is quite normal where, where your brain's like, oh God, oh God, oh God. And um, like, for example, we, we tried to have a fun fact at the beginning of the show and I was like, <laughs> I know heaps of cool things and funny things have happened, but I cannot remember any of them, and then I was struggling. And all, almost <laughs> always, the funny things that happen to you are because of your ADHD, Which is like so because cute. you don't think things through, and you just are so impulsive, and then you make really rash decisions that have enormous consequences. <laughs> and then I'm like, "Hey, let's Clay, get married." <laughs> I'm like, hey, Claire, like you had to experience heaps of consequences this week. Can you remember why? And you're like, no, no idea. No, no, Not no. a clue. But the funny thing was I started looking through my text messages going, I'm sure I've sent somebody a funny anecdote. And then I got distracted and I ended up on Instagram. And you were like, um, are you, did you find the text? And I'm like, oh, no. It happened Who's again. <laughs> So yeah, I'm just a bit I'm just a bit chaotic at the moment. I'm just a bit all over the shop, which is cute. But again, who the fuck would I be on Ritalin? Like who can you imagine like a calm centered Claire who like can hold on to one thought process? Can you oh, imagine? When you, were, when you were pregnant you were Zen, yeah. it was weird. 
it was a very strange time for me because I would be a bit like, uh, you know, frazzled about something, who knows what. And I'd be like, I don't want to add to, you know, I'd want to talk to you about it. I was like, but I don't want to add stress to your life because you've got a lot going on. You're having a really difficult pregnancy. You've also got, you know, a toddler at home and you're working full time. And Stevie. And you're like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. (laughs) You're raising three kids. And I'm like, it's really, I don't want to add to your plate. And you're like, oh, I literally don't care about anything right now. I'm so zen. It was gorgeous. My children are made of Ritalin. <laughs> exactly. The tiny little medications. Oh, delicious. Amazing. Oh, my God. But yeah, yeah, I'm chaos. So, this episode will be chaos and everyone will listen and they will and enjoy everyone. it because yeah, so what is coming back? A groundbreaking hit series, which I know you and I both watched a lot of, which hasn't been on the air since 2004. And <gasps> everyone is very interested. What is coming back, Bronwyn? It's Sex in the City. Ah, oh, so Sex in the City, the iconic series about New York, ran from 1998 to 2004, and they've recently announced that it's coming back on HBO. Sans one very pivotal character. Mm, we are we are missing Samantha. We are missing. And what's Samantha? Samantha what, for those who can't remember Samantha, what was she like? Samantha was. Sexy, she was very proud of her sexuality. She had lots of relationships exploring lots of things about sex positivity. And um, she was arguably probably the most important and liberal character in the whole series. Um, yeah. There were lots of problematic yes. moments with her. Let's like let's just acknowledge them. It was a very much a, a thing of its time. She was racist. She was um, she was um, occasionally uh, said some really problematic things about um, about uh, uh, women. But generally, she was the most woke of all of them. Yeah, and this was a show that I can't even I can't even imagine who thought it was a good idea to bring it back. Like I understand that it's gonna make an enormous amount of money. There's yeah. a huge fan base that already exists that are gonna just jump straight into this for nostalgic reasons and also because they're curious. They'll be like, what does she look like now? And yeah. the answer is exactly the same. But it is <laughs> but there's the uh, you know like if you actually go back to that chapter of your life in 2004 mm. we accepted heaps of stuff that was so unacceptable oh, now. so many things yes. so it, it's um like the, the, the premise of the show is for women looking for men yeah exactly that is the that is the central idea within the show for women who are trying to find love and, and yeah, for like really smart women who their their mm. careers of like careers are one thing i mean there's uh, so what do we have? We have what Miranda. So she. She's so a what I had, I had people had analysed this show and they said that Carrie was like that was that she was the human, mm. and then these three um, characters around her. So the lawyer, the homebody, and the and the sex fiend. Mm. These were all just aspects of her of her um, ah, personality. That's so they without one of them. So without Samantha. Um, uh, Carrie would be quite a sexless it would be quite a sexless show mm. or she would be a sexless mm. person and without Miranda she would there would be no drive yeah. so they needed to have these and then Charlotte and that's the kind of the, that you know that hopeless romantic who is still searching for love whereas the other ones can be quite pessimistic when it comes to that stuff mm. so they they all played their role in making Carrie a whole character mm. so I understand why they all exist but 
what the show what the show did was it just showed how um women were nothing without a certain thing that man yeah exactly yeah and this isn't even and, touching on like the incredible whitewashing of the show like and oh God, just so how, how racist and it was so thin yeah mm-hmm. and they're so like they're like they, they they're so wealthy and just so privileged but we were not going to go into that because that's not what we want to talk to or we want to talk about you know the, the the gendered aspect of that but we also want to acknowledge all the the different things at the, at the heart of the show is about female friendship right and yeah but the the, the well, really supposedly. Uh, supposedly well the problem was that kim cattrall came out and she was like actually i had a horrendous time on that show they were really really nasty to me and um particularly sarah jessica parker was really really yeah, mean and then after yeah. she the publicly show, she was yeah. always so sweet yeah like, she's always like I, they're my friends this this and then kim cattrall was like um i call bullshit on that you guys were assholes especially you sarah yeah yeah definitely like it's it, apparently she was horrendous and she's 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 spoken out a whole bunch about it she's um she's she's acknowledged that um that that they were they were super unkind to her and that she's not interested at all in being part of this um this show but in in the middle there were two there were two movies there was sex and city one which was all mm-hmm. about carrie getting married to mr big and mm. um and the 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 aftermath of that wedding falling apart and thank god they got back together spoiler alert oh my god but this... what would happen if they didn't <laughs> no she would be nothing she would not be a woman <laughs> at all um but um but then um the second one Brom, we saw it at the cinema remember you we you did. myself and our and our dear friend Greta saw it at the cinema yep. And I remember being so excited and so thrilled. And it was, and even at the time, I, I, I don't remember having any kind of red flags because, you know, it was just like 2006 or something. Exactly. But it was the time was, where we just didn't understand anything no, was wrong. No, exactly. And we're like, oh no, everything was wrong. But um, yeah. but there's just, it's just so bad it's so like there's this one bit where samantha sees a hot um man there did they go to saudi i can't remember where they go is saudi arabia or is it i think so yeah yeah yeah. dubai yeah dubai yeah yeah they go to Mm. dubai and and he goes and she points she points this guy and she goes oh lawrence of my labia (laughs) and there's there's one stage where they're like steel burkas and then her condoms throw out fall out of her handbag and she's like throwing condoms at the, it's just which is so very, culturally it sensitive is so so just very good but yeah, yeah it was that that movie was like unequivocally horrendous like absolutely horrendous yeah it was very islamophobic and it yeah. was like it, everything it, yeah and in the end it was still that like oh please um, please find a bloke. And I think there was like Aiden, one of this guy, oh, one of the yeah. ex-flames came Aiden, back into the picture. Right. Oh, I loved was, Aiden. <laughs> yeah, everyone loved everyone Aiden. Loved that's why he had to come back. I know. It was just so, and this is the thing, it was so easy for the people, for the producers of this show to get people to watch yeah. because everyone was so, um, everyone seemed so emotionally invested in it. And when Aiden and Carrie didn't work, everyone was upset there would have been i cannot even imagine how many letters were sent to hbo about that um they had to bring him back for some reason to be like look he still exists and he's happy and he's fine and carrie's happy for him and look it's there's some closure there please can we move on and the amount of people who would have tuned in for that and felt some kind of personal closure in that uh were satisfied and could continue watching the show without feeling like they needed to send more death threats to someone <laughs> but it was it so it, it was the, the the fans were so present and so loud and so ready to eat up anything that the yeah. the, the hbo had for them that it just became 
and became almost too easy for them to make money. And the fact that they've come back again, I'm like, I don't. I, they, one, this is what is confusing. One, they have to stay. They have to understand that their fan base has is like so, um, I guess, committed to this show. So they can't stray too far. Yeah. They can't be like, oh, by the way, now that none of them want lovers and um, uh, and also someone that is divorced and Carrie's not that trend anymore or Carrie's stopped yeah, looking as fabulous as always or something. Suits. Check yeah. pants. Check suit pants have, every day. <laughs> she has but she has rejected capitalism. Yeah, She's- exactly. They have to say a little bit there, but also they also have to acknowledge that well, this isn't two thousand and four anymore. We've all we've all learnt that being racist is not very it's good. It's not okay. It's not, <laughs> it's not okay. okay. So they can't they can't have the same like I guess like flavor to their jokes or no, it has to be essence really, in the really plot. Different. And it's like I guess it's relevance as well. I mean, it came out at a time where sex positivity, particularly for women, was not really a thing, and it did so much work. I mean, like you know, you had kind of on-screen depictions of oral sex and like mm. sex between you know that there were there was that awkward bit where 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 um where Samantha decided that she was a lesbian and yeah, she decided she it. decided because that's so nice. exactly how it works and it then and, and and you know but there were there were some really revolutionary things of its time and that's that's you know you got to acknowledge that it did have a really important impact on kind of the way that women talked about sex and encounter sex particularly in Samantha's character but. Like we we we're beyond, we pass that now, and now we're exploring new things about sexuality, particularly you know with LGBTQI plus people and depictions of that in cinema and on shows. Like we don't we, I I think the only aspect that might be interesting is exploring kind of old women's sexuality. You know the idea that you can be fifty and still sexual and still sexy. That's interesting. But, it is, but they tried to do that with Samantha. Like Samantha was like uh, she was older than the women than oh, the other three, right. and she they were trying. Too. They br- they brought up in one one episode where she said, "I, I think that it's time for me to tell you girls that I'm a little bit older than you." Mm. And all the other three girls had to like feign surprise. They're like, "Are you kidding me? What are you talking about?" <laughs> and so it was also like making fun of her. And she would never like admit to her age or something until yeah. a certain point where she was quite liberated by it, but. So it, there was still it was still making fun of the old woman. Yeah, like she exactly. was a butt of the jokes a lot of the and time. And she had to look and act and behave like a younger oh, woman. She yeah. wore clothes that were younger than any of the other yeah, women. Like, yeah, yeah. She was like had to look. Yeah, she she and also like when she had to go through menopause, she put on. I remember there was this one scene where she was eating lots at the cafe, and so she oh, started yeah. to put on a little bit of weight because she was starving. <gasps> That's and right. all of the other three women were like looking at her stomach and like glancing at each other like do we help her do we tell her what do we do and they actually made it a problem oh my god like how do we help her <laughs> deal with this disaster and of just, putting on three kilos just fuck like just fucking shut up that's a good yeah, thing like get just, who cares who? Yeah. Cares? I remember that and this camera kind of zoomed into her tummy and yeah and 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 yeah, and and everyone everyone was horrified. Like you know, you mm. need to. Where as as your friends, we're just making sure that you understand. You need to fix this. Yeah, it's just please don't eat any more because yeah. you will be very devastated with yourself. Yeah, there's like, on Family Guy. There, so the Family Guy is very funny show. They had to describe. They tried to describe the um, Sex and the City, and one guy was like, "Oh yeah, it's that show about the three three prostitutes and their mum." Oh, 
just made me laugh so much. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, so bad. Yeah, family Guy, but also so funny because, like, if you – the person who was – like, she will always be <laughs> – much older than them, even yeah. though, like, you know, if, as a kid, I wouldn't have noticed yeah, that. Yeah, no, 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 because they all, when we were kids, they all seemed really old. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> they were at least but, 34. But my mum watched, my mum would watch Sex and City. She loved it when I was younger. And my little sister's 10 years younger than me. So when she was like, seven, she would watch Sex, Sex and City with mum. Which is not a great parenting move, Hells, no. but like it's. Um, but mum was. She'd had five kids. She was tired. I think she, she was sick of saying no, so she just moved on. But Rosie had to have. My sister had like show and tell at school, and they had to. The kids had to stand up and say something that they did or something that they enjoyed. And Rosie said, "My favourite thing to do is to watch my favourite show with my mum." And the teacher was like, "That's beautiful, Rosie." What is it? It was like Sex in the City. <laughs> this tiny, teeny weeny girl. Like, oh okay, God. I'm calling your mother. <laughs> and the cops. <laughs> exactly. To, to make this show, to, okay, the reboot, the problem with the reboot aside and the problem that we're channeling money into something that really, you know, we don't, these people don't need more money. That aside, is there any way, Ron, do you reckon that, that it could be relevant or that it could be important now? Like if you could give, if you could call them and be like, hey, mates, I've got some advice for you, what mm. would you say? Uh, I would say they need to do a different show. Yeah. I think they need to let this one go. I think that, that there's it, no way to yeah. save it. Because people, I think it's very confronting to be like, I was a fan of that show, and then to see how bro- how broken it was, yeah. to, to yeah. go back and be like, oh shit, how did oh, I no, think that, I'm that a was, what was important? <laughs> yeah. So, and but in the same vein, they can't they can't disregard the enorm- like the enormous fan base that they created by being that wrong at that time. Yeah. So I don't know what they're going to do. Unless they do something completely different. Yeah, they'd have to completely, like, you have to acknowledge the bloody huge diversity problem that they had. Yeah. And they'd have to somehow acknowledge all the social and political growth we've had over the last, you know, 16 years. You know, how do you, yeah. how does Black Lives Matter sit in a Sex in the City reboot? How does, exactly. And I, also, it, like, how do they, how do they bring that up yeah. without saying, by the way, we forgot to do this for yeah, a really exactly. long time. Yeah. They still, they still have to hope that maybe someone didn't notice yeah, exactly. that they pretended that black people didn't exist for a really long time. But I also or think that fat that, people didn't Yeah, exist. exactly. Or like anybody who wasn't a thin heterosexual white person who was very, very wealthy existed. So wealthy. But like I, I think this is, I guess this is the thing. The pe- most of the people who watch it won't care, right? Like they won't. Yeah. But I guess the, the big question, the big confronting question is, will you watch it, mate? No. Oh, God, you're I'll so pathetic. S- yeah, I <laughs> will be definitely... No, oh, it's a girls' show, Claire. You know me. Exactly. I'm a man. It's I can't. No, I, I won't watch it. I think I'll be interested to see people's reviews on it, mm. but I, I think I will cringe myself to death watching it if uh, I did. Yeah, I'm probably gonna watch it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we all knew that. Everyone knows I can watch it. I'm a piece of shit. But I will come back. We'll come back to the podcast with my critical lens on. And I yeah, will, I will talk to it, and um, but in you know in private, I am probably going to relish it 
every every last moment of it because I'm a terrible person. Yeah. And look, if it's like if it is super interesting, I will maybe have a glance, but I reckon it'll be interesting to see what our listeners think of it when mm. if they are going to watch it or if they're not going to watch it. Like is this something are that you are a better person to... than me? Is the question. That's, <laughs> That's probably easy, probably such an easy 95% answer. of you. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so Claire, you are tired, aren't you? You've worked. You're like you I said. Am, mate. Your tired. your holidays are always so fleeting. Like and when I say holidays, I mean like long. time off work. Yeah. Not like going to the Bahamas. Your holidays yeah. are like going to Woolies. Oh, good. Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> you're very. They're very fleeting. You work so much, and you have done for forever. Um, and you're feeling it at the moment I aren't you? am I am feeling a little bit burned out mate I am feeling a really profound disconnect between my job and my life and my purpose I feel um quite frustrated because I'm 34 I'm single well I'm a single parent I've got a boyfriend but I'm a single parent um I I the, the idea of owning a house that great Australian dream is such a f- far off prospect and I just feel a little bit ripped off I, and there was a I put a meme up on Good Sheila's um, earlier in the week which really resonated with me and it was the, the meme said the biggest lie that capitalism has ever told us is there such a thing as a dream job and I was thinking yeah. about that and I was like oh my god like it is like this idea that you can kind of be fulfilled and live happily spending you know most of your waking hours working and that should be part of a dream is just so broken yeah i'm just mm. and i act and and we we you know we'll, we'll talk about this in another episode but we've been like talking about what things that we need and things that we, we want and i've been reading a book about like kind of this idea of the authentic or true self and i'm like i actually often don't know what that is because i have no time to explore or understand that and yeah, yeah i just i just feel a bit bloody angry right now <laughs> yeah and when it is super fascinating this idea of the dream job i mean you still go to work that's why i struggled with teaching for a really long time um because i genuinely like teaching but the job itself was very much in a lot of ways unenjoyable yeah uh because the, you know if the, the, when you say teaching uh, like even as a verb, like that is a very different thing to the job. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like that is only a tiny bit of it and the rest of the stuff is soul-destroying, uh, like the politics of the staff room and the um, the actual admin and the um, managing life and the, you know, the very inflexible hours of work um, became – got to the point where I was like, D- I don't think I like teaching anymore, which wasn't true. I love teaching. You love it, like but that's just not the, the job. job. Yeah, yeah. So when you say a dream job, it's like, well, that's it. Doesn't really. I would love to see if anyone is living their yeah, dream job. Yeah, because... who has that? What does your life yes. look like? <laughs> and in with your job, Claire, like you are doing something that is so important to you. You are helping create, um, a, you know, a better world for people for victims of domestic violence. You are helping get people out of that. You are, cha- you are literally changing the world for people, and it is beautiful and, f- and fantastic. And it's really important for you to have a job that matters, um, and that you feel like you're, you know, changing things, and you are doing that. But it isn't like when you, if I said to you, you're you're in your dream job, you would probably oh, no way. <laughs> like in, implode. You'd be like, I'm so tired. This is not how I want this is my not life the dream. to look Yeah, like. this is not the dream. But there's there's been a really fascinating new book that's um, come out recently um, 
by a woman called Anne Helen Peterson, and she's talking about what the experience of millennials is and why this is a endemic experience for all of us, just feeling mm. overwhelmed, um, overworked, and undervalued. And what's what's burnout, mate? Talk to me about burnout. Oh, so burnout is a symptom of feeling overworked and undervalued, resulting in what she's what Peterson calls alienation from the self and from desire. Mm. So I find that really amazing that you can get to a point where you can't even remember who who you are and what you actually want. Oh, gosh, yeah. Like, oh, I have worked so much. But when someone says, fine, just – and this is like – this is the patronising thing, right? Someone goes, do you know what? You just do what makes you happy. Exactly. Just do what makes you happy. It's like if I just did what made me happy, I would not stand up. You know what? makes me happy not paying the rent what? not paying the <laughs> exactly. rent it's $2,500 a month that makes me very happy yeah, not to that, pay the rent that's right going for a swim on a 25 degree day <sighs> can I do that every day like no Bron that's not realistic and we're like great well then I'll never be happy I've failed in life oh my god so we can't so it's a really strange thing to for that thing that old saying of like if you work really hard you will achieve it. It's exactly. Like, well, if I and work really hard, I won't know who I am or what I want. And the, like, it's it's this, so so. There's this rhetoric and this narrative around millennials, right? Which is you know our generation that we're really so entitled. Millennials are. It's not. I think it's eighty-one to ninety-six. Okay, so most 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 people we know, and a fair fair lot of our listeners on our demographic data are in this cohort. So this this is a stereotype around you, right? We're lazy and we're spoiled and we're entitled and we're not good at being grown-ups. Um, mm. and, um, and we're, you know, we just, we think that we deserve the earth. And what, what in particular does our mate, um, our mate uh, Anne Peterson say about that? Well, she's, I'll tell you, she yes. says that it's a number of things. She said that's really unfair because mm. we have a really warped um, sense of what leisure and work is. So mm. like in the olden days, it was like your uh, leisure in the olden days, many, many, many years ago, it was like leisure is like going to play tennis or it is going to bowls or it mm. is going bowling with friends or whatever. Like it seemed quite active leisure. But nowadays leisure is like, it seems to be kind of, yeah, it's self yeah, that yeah, exactly. How beautiful is it to go for a run? I that know. sounds like the worst day of my life. But it, or or it's like quite focused around technology, you know. Mm. Like you know, you deserve a break. Go ha- go and watch Netflix for a bit. So you watch Netflix for a bit. But when you're watching Netflix for a bit, obviously your phone's going to be there, and on your phone mm. is your work emails, and you're going to be on your work emails. And so your leisure, our work and our leisure, often overlap. And so when you say when we say lazy, it's we actually don't even know when work starts and stops. Exactly. There's a, and, yeah. and also just just contextualizing it, right? Like our parents, you know, who are you know kind of the younger of the boomers and the older of the Gen Xs, they grew up in a world where there was relative. I mean, at least for white people, right? The white middle class people economic and economic stability and 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 kind of health and finance stability so you could buy a home on one person's income you could have a household where just one person worked and you could raise a bunch of children on that right and you, you you grew up in this kind of 
golden stage of where where um capital like you know like just little things like you didn't pay for university mate and you stayed at you stayed in one job forever right like mm. it's just it's a very 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 different context that they 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 grew up and we are living and this is something that peterson um points out we're living on the decisions that those generations made right so yeah. they are the they are the generation who like hey uni should definitely cost something and they're the generation who had $4 houses and they're like, hey, let's buy heaps of houses and make heaps sure that they're really expensive. Like and super all, rare. Yeah, yeah so they rare, also destroyed but... the environment and they, mm. they voted in heaps of conservative governments that, you know, where we're living with the kind of rolling impacts of all these decisions. And now they're landing on us, right? Mm. And as well as those values pieces, which are kind of throwbacks to when you could have all this spare time. Well, they, exactly. <laughs> and then they say, like, you... like." You could do it. I worked really hard. I worked, you know, and they'll say not every single boom is the same, and we no. have to we have to say that. But but let's talk about this as a social exactly idea, right? This is a social yes. A lot of them are the same, and we're talking about kind of you know the systemic stuff rather than the you know individuals, right? This is a, this is a systemic experience of millennials, millennials, and this is a systemic experience of that generation, right? Yeah, yeah. and like they did. I'm not, no one's denying they didn't work hard uh, mm. no one's denying that they had to spend most of their money on uh buying a house and no. they that their, their wage was less than what it would have been now and blah 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 blah, blah. teachers didn't earn much money then but also houses didn't cost much money it's all relative no. yeah but it's very hard i think for a boomer who has worked really hard all their life to look at our generation and be like well, why have you not worked out? I worked it out. And, okay, so if you haven't worked it out, I'll give you some advice. What you have to do is you have to find a job and you have to stick with it for 40 years mm. and you have to um, just w- uh, work and work and then you will find, and then your house will just fall into your lap and that's just how it works. And while your wife stays home with all the men and children that you are mm. raising, like it's just, yeah, I, I have become less and less tolerant um, over time. And one of one of the things that I, that really bothers me when I when I read kind of the older generations talking about millennial burnout, particularly in the experience of our generation, and you know economically and socially, is that it all comes down to this idea that we're lazy and neurotic, and this and you know they're very much a generation that doesn't believe in things like mental health and so on, and the impact of that again is felt you know prolifically across their cohorts, but also filters into ours, and. What what is not acknowledged in these conversations is the circumstances that we're in are because of that generation's choices and yeah. the pressures that we're experiencing, like not just kind of economic and social pressures, but like with the fucking environment, right? Like you know, yeah. we're living in a dying world. Like this is it's it's just it's really really hard to kind of be sympathetic or understanding for someone who has five houses and five cars and all this money be like just and not willing to give them not willing to (laughs) yeah not willing to sell them they're just waiting for it i don't know what yeah it's that thing of like oh no i just accrue a million houses and then i will hold on to them till i'm about to die Mm -hmm. or and then i will just give them to someone and then that it's like well that's just not really helping it's not helping anyone anyone (laughs) maybe your one child or whatever but the rest of us it's like would be great if the the property market wasn't so expensive because no houses are available but did you know claire that millennials were the first generation since the great depression to be worse off than their parents 
actually that's so interesting no wonder we are so stressed <laughs> and so so tired i know and just the sound so of the two frustrated and so angry like i just feel i just feel a little bit fucking ripped off mm. i ha- well i don't think i will ever live in sydney but i don't understand i do not understand how anyone is supposed to afford a house there yeah it's bananas like, it is but it's completely unachievable for yeah. almost every single person there. Like my, I've got um, two of my cousins live in Sydney, uh, Emily and Nicola Lang, how are you? Mm. But they, uh, they both rent there. And I remember uh, Emily was oh, – no, Nicola was telling me that she lives in a share house, mm. a three-bedroom share house, and there's five of them. And they're like they're adults. That is a lot of people in that small house. Mm. And I think she was meant saying that her rent was over two hundred dollars a week. It's like, mm. oh my god, how would you go to uni and be paying hex? Yeah, and and, and pay that kind of rent. Yeah. And ever think that you are ever going to afford to own the house, own a exactly. house one day? You just will not. But is it time to, I guess, unpack? the these ideas that we're just clinging on to i was i was i was talking to someone about this the other day this you know this idea that you are striving towards home ownership and it is the dream you know that you should aspire to and and maybe like maybe it's time rather than you know we we should definitely be cross about the circumstances that we're in because they're hard but also like maybe maybe it's time to step away from these ideas that are actually not only making us really really miserable but are probably kind of you know contributing to um just how kind of segregated our community is socially and economically but also probably the you know that the world is ending because the environment's fucked yeah exactly don't worry about it it's all gonna disappear anyway exactly exactly but like i'm coming to terms with the idea that i probably will never be able to afford a home even on you know i'm on a good income um, it, like it's it's just for a single parent, it's just it's probably not going to happen to me for me because you know to save uh, the 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 average house price in Australia is five hundred and forty k. That's including regional and rural areas. In Melbourne, the average house price is closer to seven hundred k. So to save up, you know, ten twenty percent deposit for that, you know, plus stamp duty plus all the fees, you know, I'm looking at saving two hundred thousand dollars, which is just not possible it's just yeah, not possible funny. and you so ask I'm just, kim cattrell she i should turn down a lot Hello, of money kim, can you please <laughs> just buy me a house but Make like uh, but but part of part of that acceptance and part of like swallowing that reality is kind of a, a, a look at what my values are and i you know this is still you know i'm a product of my socialization i would love i love the idea of owning a house i love the idea of like making someplace my own and so on but you know wh- where does that idea come from and it's very much the generation that told me that it was important yeah look well i i think for me it feels important because i um we're renting this house up here and i don't like that I can't do certain things to mm. it. And I don't mm. like that, you know, if something breaks, I have to contact them and it's up to them whether it gets yeah. fixed or not. Like this, I don't I don't necessarily, I don't like renting. And I also don't like that, um, you know, say for example, we love Brisbane so much that we're like, stuff it, let's just live here for five years. In those five years, on any day, our landlord can say, Leave. You have to leave in exactly. 30 days. I need. Yeah. I want the house back. And, and this awful. is where, like, the kids' schools down the road. It's. I understand. I finally understood where the shops are. It's. It. it that. I don't like that uncertainty. Yeah, I don't the like that. Is really hard. Yeah. Exact. I don't like that. But I maybe. 
Um, but you know, you've lived in your house for ages. There's no, it doesn't it's seem been, like anyone's. It's been 14 months. Is that it? Yeah, yeah. In that months. house? Yeah, yeah. I moved in um, uh, the end of September 2019. I thought you'd been there for no, end of August 2019. No, it just feels like a long time. No, but like it's it's like I, I completely agree. Like it's it's really nerve wracking to be like, God, if they raise the rent or if they decide they want to sell yeah. it or whatever. Like I just have to pack up my two kids and leave. And also just like I would love to plant a big veggie patch or, you know, and like and spend mm. more time kind of investing in the garden. But, you know, like it's just there's it doesn't feel like there's a point when when I could be, you know, when I could just stop living here at any time. It's just that you just have to accept the instability. Yeah, yeah, and I don't love that. But like lots of countries do. Like a lot of countries have a predominantly rent, like rent people who are renting from the government. Yeah. And yeah, I mean yeah. that seems to work okay. They have long term leases. Like this is a, another cultural difference. Um, like for example, Europe's leases are um, usually a longer, longer term. Um, to, like you can have a ten year lease, for example, which um, which means that you can actually feel secure and comfortable in. Um, in, in a place, yeah. you know, rather than being year by year. Yeah. I mean, that sounds great, but it, what does that mean for the person who owns it? Or is that well, the government that owns it? I, well, I think, I think it's the, the, like, for example, Germany. Germany have the, have the probably the lowest home ownership rate in the world. Does it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Germany, I think it's it's about, it's it's less than 50%. It's around 40, 40%. But they just have a, they, they, they have kind of um, really uh, dis- dismantled this idea that a healthy economy means that you, you need to own homes. It's it's not, it's um it's it's and it's also aftermath of their um you know their very checkered um, history of you know things. I don't know what you're talking about. They've never put a foot rubble. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but they they so that yes they have they have a they had a really concentrated housing program and. Um, and then, in if we want to talk about the history of home ownership in Germany, it's quite interesting. Germany is quite interesting. Um, they had a dedicated program in, particularly in West Germany, to building houses back in um, the in the early 1950s. Um, but then um, th- th- there wasn't enough people really to buy the houses that they built because they didn't have enough money. Um, so a lot, of, a lot of them, a lot of them um, do. A lot of the housing is owned by government, um, mm-hmm. and it's, it's quite heavily subsidised by government. And so there's not a huge presence of the private sector in the general. Yeah, market. well, that changes things, doesn't it? So if the government owned the house that I'm in now, which is when the house I grew up in was a government house that mm-hmm. mum was in. That it, there seemed there never seemed to be a risk of being kicked out because yeah. what who what, did the Queen want to move in? Like it was like <laughs> shithole government house in Spence. But it was it like but this is this is the government has nothing to do with the the private stuff. The private you know, I'm sure there are some laws out there but they're they really look after the private they they, they they look after owners not yeah renters. it's like well get out of their house you don't yeah. own it it's like, okay, I mean, but you're talking about well. a massive overhaul overhaul of the way that we live and the way that our economy works if you know if you shifted away from it and also like you know this idea that success is having a rental property and so on and you have to you know you really really have to unpack that but like you look at germany and, and wealth wealth concentration and stuff like they just invest in other things they invest in stocks and you know they invest in in that kind of you know that that um uh, in, in different kinds of asset and income growth. Um, but, you know, like it's it's just, 
it's just a really it's a really different way of being and I want to move to Germany <laughs> yeah you do you should it's fantastic the Kmarts are full of gender diverse clothes Claire what do you think what do you well, so what does this mean for you like I know that like you were burnt out now but does there is there an end to that for you Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm almost 35 and I don't really, no, you're not. I'm not really. You turned 34 literally 20 minutes ago. I turned 35 We're still talking about your birthday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And honestly, I get really overwhelmed when I think about it because I'm like, I feel, you know, I should have some kind of financial security. I should have some sort of future. I just marry a really rich man, you know, I'll be a yeah. sex in the city. I don't exactly. know. The whole, the idea, I don't, I don't, this is something, I just don't have an answer. It just stresses me the fuck out. Yeah. And really, um, we do, there's that thing of being like, when you have lots of money, everything will be easy in life. And it's absolutely, whilst it will help a lot, it doesn't, that doesn't change. Oh no, I I fundamentally disagree. That is so untrue. Like, that's just something that rich people say. (laughs) You're not rich. I'm not saying that you're rich. I'm just saying that this is a narrative that we're fed. Like, this, this idea that like, oh, money isn't everything. Money doesn't buy happiness. Yes, it fucking does. If you don't have to worry about paying your rent or paying your mortgage or paying your yeah. bills, or if you just have if you have lots of disposable income, you, you're definitely going to have an easier time. Like there's just no two ways about it. Like there yes, def- it'll be easier, but it is not going to change the fact that you've got ADHD, Claire. You no, it will not. I cannot buy pay my that way. away. Yeah, but I can maybe afford more sessions with a with a specialist yeah, psychiatrist. Totally. Like, yeah, every, but it's not going to fix everything. No, but it would make life a fuck of a lot easier. Yeah, it would yeah. be nice. And it's just another like again, this is another like lie that we're fed along the lines of dream job to, to make us really you know to keep make us keep striving and make us not angry at rich people mm. money oh definitely makes people way happier <laughs> of course it does mm. i don't know i'd like to speak to a rich person ask them if they're yes, truly can, happy can a very rich person call us and talk to us about how sad they are because they have so much money <laughs> please <laughs> Please tell us. It would I be just don't know what to do with all of it. I would really enjoy that conversation. <laughs> yeah, you should speak to them. That I should speak great. to the manager and of Kmart. Exactly, especially when you're feeling in one of your ragey mode, uh, moods. I'll be so good. It'll be so relaxing so for them. So cute. Everyone should have <laughs> a conversation with me. donate some money to you. I'm in four houses. <laughs> Well, as long as so, I think if anyone is feeling burnt out, and I know that I'm not really working, but I feel quite a little bit burnt out myself with things. There's always seems to be things happening, and I think technology, like you know, go to bed and you go, all right, um, I'll just quickly have a look at this thing, and then you'll fall into like the whole of the news for ages, um, or Instagram or something like that, and you'll be like okay that's just taken about half an hour of my sleep and then you're trying to go to sleep and your brain is wired to thinking about Mm. what you have to do next or you probably should you probably should go on to that or maybe you need to go and speak to that person or da 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 da. so it doesn't it doesn't really it doesn't really stop does it and then you wake up and then your phone's there or um so if you're feeling that just go yell at a boomer just go and yell at a boomer they're very receptive and they're they're, they're just hiding one of their many many houses oh golly (laughs) yeah it's it's nothing more insufferable than arguing with a boomer about Mm. absolutely anything no especially things they have no idea about (laughs) 
Exactly. So it's it's yeah. But I mean, there is specific uh, specific advice on you know what what to do with with burnout, and um, the it's it's a really really complex issue that is you know, and there's lots and lots of advice around things like meditation, meditation, and mindfulness, and exercise, and but often you know some of these things are really unattainable or really difficult to engage with when you're not feeling good at all. Yeah, I hate when someone recommends mindfulness to me when I'm stressed. I'm like. I do not want to sit with my brain for a second longer than I've had to. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just one of those things that is not in the moment. It's not, not a helpful suggestion. It is really helpful kind of over the long term and contextually, but not yeah, not 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 when someone's like, I'm feeling really fat. Just like, have you just tried mindfulness? Yeah, not in that still. moment. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's it, that we've there's been there's been so much written online about millennial burnout and and so much about you know what what we do to kind of um, counter it and unpack it. But you know this is um, but but there's there's it, this is a systemic issue like it's 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 something that's really difficult to kind of counter individually and but one really beautiful book that i've read about kind of just changing your um perception of life is um a book called spot. um is spot so spot <laughs> has to make his dad a birthday cake and there's a hot mess but his dad is still grateful and then he hides and all his friends are hiding but no one can find Spot. Where's Spot? No, 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 no. He's in the housing Thank market. You. He's in the housing market. He's in one of his fucking seven houses. And um, no, it's called phosphorescence, and it was it's by a journalist called Julia Baird, and it's all about kind of how we live so quickly, and we jump from thing to thing, and our measures of success are really, really, um, really hurting us. But um, it's all about kind of finding joy in everyday life. And while I definitely haven't mastered that, it is a really beautiful book to read if you are feeling burnout i can really recommend that particular book oh well that is great advice and finally something educational that we have imparted finally exactly <laughs> it's happened to nobody <laughs> <laughs> okay all right oh, shielders we have been, shield, 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 been many shielders in <laughs> one place shielders. Um, if you do watch Sex and City, pl- I'd, we'd love to know about it. I don't actually yes. don't know when they're going to release it, but I would love to know if you are intending to watch it. That's yes. even better. Yes. And why? What the fuck are you doing? But also, you probably have a really good cool reason. For you, exactly. Yeah. It's probably soothing. You probably burnt out, and it's familiar and kind. It's back in the days when people could afford houses. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Remember those days? I don't I remember. <laughs> all right, mates. We will talk to you all soon. Love you. Bye. Bye.